welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get started. Straight from New York. Yo, yo, this handsome man. Yo, yo. Ah, motherfucker. Tune in to Al Joe, the funk master. Watch your grill, yoga, knock that cold fast. And talking shit, now we talking fast. Where the man are off the back. You in trouble, came to burst your bubble. I don't shelter punches. They find home on your mind about a double. It's the weekly scraps. You don't need a map. GPS, I'm right here to lead a dash. The world doesn't know it needs, but I roll disease. Planet fuck a name and the fame. Only legacy remains. Remember the name, Al Jermaine Sterling. Uh. It ain't shit, it ain't shit, motherfucker. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the weekly scraps episode 178, something like that. We are booking, rocking, and rolling. Uh, UFC Austin was a great night of fights. And uh, I know you guys saw the stats. I think there's pretty much finishes on every single fight except for the one or two. Uh, let me just double check that to verify. Boom, boom, finish, 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 split decision, finish, 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 unanimous decision, finish, 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 split decision, finish, 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 split decision. Okay, so almost the entire card full of finishes, which was insane. Like, I don't know, like Dana White said, there's something in the water over there in Austin because those guys went out and the girls and were banging. A lot of fights ended in the first round. I think there might have been three or four first round finishes, something insane like that. Just super, that's just crazy, man. Like, to, to go to an event and knowing that it's supposed to take X amount of time and then it gets finished that much sooner because everybody goes out there and just gets after it right away. It makes it a really, really fun fight card. Um, I kind of regretted not going now because I kind of wish I was in there in that environment. And I, I think it even goes to show how big that card was. You got Joe Rogan back in the building for the first time in, like, I think he said, like, 20 years being able to watch the fights as just a straight-up fan. And um, for myself, when I go to the fights, that's pretty much what I try to put myself in that position of being just a regular fan and enjoying the environment, the atmosphere of watching the fights and kind of just being a regular everyday person. I mean, I still think of myself as an everyday regular person, but um, some people look at me a little bit differently. Um, but yes, I can only imagine for a guy like Joe Rogan, you know, so that's cool for him to be able to do that because I get to enjoy the time. And when I do get that downtime, I take it. Um, I take full advantage. I get wasted. I have a great time. I party with the fans. I party with the people. And uh, I like to just just be able to have a little bit of downtime and um, just enjoy the craft from the outside perspective, not being in the back room, having nerves for your, your teammates or having nerves for yourself, getting ready to go out there and compete for the, in front of the world. Um, so great card. Uh, a lot of fun fights. And uh, thank you, Austin, man. You guys put on a hell of a show. The fans were pretty respectful from what i remember and um for their own their own texas owns man they they put like like a loud pop for kevin holland for adrian Giannis. that was nuts i can only imagine what it was like for those guys walking out and feeling that energy outside of that uh we had my training session this week i sparred on thursday friday i did jujitsu i hit my goal of hitting six rounds six live rounds um pushing and building the cardiovascular endurance side of things, or should I say muscular endurance, and the cardiovascular side of things. Um, coming off of the, I don't want to say coming off the couch, but I've been on the couch for quite some time, so I'm slowly building everything back up. Uh, it's, not a, it's not a marathon. Well, no. Wrong. Correct. <laughs> it is a marathon. It's not a sprint. So I'm taking my time. 
making the adjustments necessary. So I'm slowly building my body back into that machine so I can get ready to go out there and compete again some point later this year, uh, whether that's going to be September, possibly November, um, maybe even December. We don't know. So as of right now, I just want to get the machine back, get the, the, the gears oiled up so I can feel like an athlete again, building back that strength um, and skill building as well, because whoever it is, I'm pretty sure they're going to be on top of their game, and I got to make sure I'm bringing the best Aljamain Sterling possible so I could get the W. Outside of that, uh, what else did we do? Saturday, we did a couple flow rounds. The flow rounds consisted of high tempo, light, like a lot of output, just touch and go, like even the punches, like you're still throwing the punch, but you're not like loading up like you would probably in a spar. So doing that, I, I'm more so just pushing the punches and not like an arm punch. It's just like more speed. So more snapping to it, more like of a technical standpoint where I'm kind of throwing a half pitch speed punch, um, but nice and technical, nice and clean, giving my, my partner some time to react or giving them some certain looks for like their specific fight opponents that they're going to be competing against. And I think that really helps out a lot because it's, uh, what as Conor McGregor famously put it, you know, you want to upgrade the software without damaging the hardware. And I think when you do that, it's a lot more controlled and you can still get high quality work. The heart rate gets spiked and you can still get a lot out of that, a lot of value, in my opinion, because now you can train your instincts because you're still going at a good pace, but it's a pace that's more controlled. So when a guy does a certain thing, he could do it a couple times in a row for you. And you can start to see like what your reactions are going to be and how you would handle that situation. And I think when you do it the first time, it's like, okay, that's what my brain thinks to think. So you do it right away. And now you know, okay, we got to try to reprogram that because if our opponent does this in the fight, I want to have a different reaction so that I can better handle the situation or the attack and be able to counter better or be able to look for this tell so that I can set up my offense better or something like that. You know, so it just depends on how you look at it and what type of approach you like to have um, for every single fight. I did th four rounds with James and then I did three rounds with Naoki anyway, who is fighting in Ryzen July 31st, actually on my birthday. So um, I'm going to be helping him out because his opponent actually throws a lot of kicks. So I'm doing a lot of that for him. And I told him the same thing. Like, you know, I don't really want to spar because I went out the night before. I went to Say Less in New York City. And um, then we went to Marquee Nightclub. And I drank a little bit. I told myself I was going to drink a certain amount. I drank a little bit more than I wanted to. Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. But <laughs> I don't like sparring after a night of um, drinking. Just in terms of brain health and all that, body-wise, risk of injury, you know, just minimize that by, and I had all my electrolytes at night and everything, so I felt great in the morning, I just felt a little tired because I didn't get home to like three in the morning, um, but being able to just recover, waking up at like 10, 10.30, then getting up, putting fruits back in me, fluids, electrolytes, and then going to the gym and getting that work in, um, sweating out the poison, so we got some good, good clean work and uh, I think I actually have a video of the question mark kick. So if you guys have questions about that, go check it. If you got questions about the question mark kick, that's going to leave your, your partners or your opponents asking questions, go check it out and ask a question about the question mark kick in the comments. <laughs> All right. So Calvin Cater, Josh Emmett, really fun main event. The first round, okay, okay. It started off a little bit slow. 
But that's what happens when you have high-level guys. One person makes a mistake, the other person capitalizes on it. And they are both waiting for those guys to make those mistakes that they've been training for and hoping to see for those tendencies. <clears throat> There's not a ton of fights where you see guys coming right out of the gate, just start swinging hammers like just maniacs at a bar, like a, a, a straight-up bar fight. You know, you got to take the time. You got to have a, a, a proper theoretical approach, some type of strategy. And I think that fans might have been a little bit spoiled with all the finishes that were happening beforehand. And when they saw Cater and Emmett and Octagon, they were kind of just expecting the fireworks to just pick up from where they left off. But that's not how it works. So the fans were being a little bit unfair in the beginning. But then afterwards, you see Cater, you see Emmett start to settle in and starting to find their rhythm. The the significant strikes start to pick up. Um, I thought the fight could have went either way. I didn't. I don't think, I think Cater might have respected the power of Emmett too much. But then when I was watching in those early rounds from rounds one till three, a lot of those punches I felt that Emmett was landing were being blocked or hit on the, like when I say blocked, I mean, it's just hitting on the forearm or hitting on the elbow, the shoulder. Um, Cause you know, he was loading up, dropping his level and then coming with those big right hands, those big left hooks. But I didn't feel like they were landing clean, like, Cater's jab when Jade when Cater was landing the, landing the jab, I felt like that was a lot cleaner of his strikes than Emmett landing the big shots that were moving him. And I heard the commentators talking about it. Oh, when Emmett lands, he moves him. There's a big difference in the power. Like, yeah, there's a big difference in the power, but who's actually landing the cleaner, significant strike? You know, and I think early in the fight, you could see the the eye of Emmett was being effective, affected really, really early on. <clears throat> so for me. Those first three rounds, two rounds were really close. First round, I think, could have gone either way. But I think the guy that landed the more significant strike, I don't, let me not say significant, because a jab is a jab. But a jab with those four-ounce gloves, that can make a, a, a strike like that significant because it could be a lot more impactful. And as you saw, he cut I mean, pretty, early, pretty early on in that fight, and I think that might have actually happened in the first round via the jab. So I think that has to be somewhat counted as a significant strike, in my opinion. Um, later on, I think Cater won the fifth round decisively. The fourth round was a little tough, but I thought Cater might have edged him out, um, landing some of those big elbows. But then Emmett was having his moments with those big hooks again, going to the body. And I think that was probably the difference for me in maybe that second round I felt like Emmett was going to the body a little bit more, which was landing a lot cleaner than the strikes he was throwing up top. But he started picking up on the volume where I think Katie was kind of falling behind on volume, but being more effective with the percentages. But Emmett throwing more volume, landing clean to the body, big shots to the body, and then coming up top. I'm surprised Cater didn't like wince or anything like that when he was getting hit with some of those shots to the body. And there was that one spinning elbow Cater landed that was nasty. Um, he threw a knee. Uh, Emmett stepped in, threw like a big hook, and Cater spun through. He threw a right knee up the middle. He spun through and hit him with the left elbow. And I'm like, dude, there's no way you're telling me Josh Emmett is not hurt right now. How do you not know? Like, if you land that, to not just go after that guy. And like, even not go after him, start swarming like, oh, I got him rocked. I'm just going to throw um, caution to the wind. But you go after him as in terms of stalking him, putting the pressure on. And he did walk forward, but it wasn't like walking forward, like knowing that he had the guy hurt. And I think that was the difference in that fourth round because 
Then he swung something else and kind of fell off balance when Cater hit him with a one-two right after that. And I think that could have been the difference in really swaying the judges and possibly even getting a 10-8 round if he had maybe followed up. He could have maybe dropped him, like really dropped him and uh, while he had him compromised and hurt. But uh, Emmett, tough dude. I do think him getting the next shot, I mean, split decision, but I still think he's the guy that's right there. Zabit just retired, so I don't know who else would be in that title conversation after Max Holloway and Volkanovski 3. So it's a it's a very tricky situation for the featherweight division. I know you got Brendan Allen, you got Bryce Mitchell, um, who else is there? Giga Chikaze, but he just lost to Cater. Now Cater just lost to Emmett. <clears throat> you got that kid Evloev who's coming up, 5'7". The guy's a demon. Um, so there's a lot of good guys at, at uh, featherweight right now. So I, I don't know what's going to happen next, but I think Emmett has to be a shoe-in for the next title shot, just in my personal opinion. I don't think that was his best performance, but then what? A, what is a best performance in, in comparison to fighting one of the top guys in the world, you know? So it's one thing to have those type of performances against guys who aren't as skilled as you, but then to have that type of performance against a guy like Cater or a Giga, like those are going to be a little bit harder things to accomplish. Oh, yeah, Yaya Rodriguez, Brian Ortega right there as well. Both guys looking to either... Ortega stay in the title conversation or Yair enter into the title shot conversation, you know? So I could also see that Yair Rodriguez versus um, Josh Emmett, but these guys all got fights, you know? So maybe. Emmett's, Emmett's, who's it? I was going to say maybe aren't Brian and Yair fighting or who's Brian, Brian fighting? Ortega is fighting Yair. So yeah. if they maybe loser of that, Josh Emmett fights? They could do that, but then you kind of knock off a contender, I feel like. Because not even knock off a contender. I think Emmett should be fighting a guy coming off of a win. That's what I think. Yeah. I don't I don't think he should be fighting anyone coming off of a loss. But then Ortega just fought for the belt. Yair hasn't fought for the belt. So if Yair were to win, he's a shoe win also, I think, for a title shot. Depending on whoever wins. But then, well, if Max yeah. wins, then they can't really do a rematch. Then maybe Josh Emmett enters the conversation. But then if, if uh, Volkanovski wins... He hasn't fought Yair Rodriguez, so maybe that could be the conversation right there. So, it's um, it's a tricky situation, man. Josh Emmett was number seven. Cater was number four. Do you think Cater and Josh Emmett will switch spots in the rankings? Or, like, do you think Josh Emmett will be top five at least? Emmett will be top five. He has to be. He has to be. I think he. I think there's no other spot for him, four or five. I mean, who else would you bump up? I think it would be a little tough thing to do to not put him in that top five situation. I think he deserves a top five opponent. Or he could be sitting down just waiting for the winner of the fight, international fight, which which is in two weeks. He just fought. He's going to be out for a little bit, so I think you give him some time to kind of recover. You could throw him right right in there, right in the mix towards the end of the year. Or if Volkanovski wins, for him to do three title fights in a year, that's insane. That's pretty freaking beast. That's what Kamaru did last year. Yeah, that's not normal. Like... We're talking 75 minutes of fighting. That's a lot. And you talk training camps for that, man? You think, so you do training camps. Most guys want, like, even longer for training camps. They want, like, 10 or 12 weeks for a 25-minute fight. And they're fighting minutes. in July, right? They're fighting, who's that? Volk and and Max. Yeah, and uh, I think towards the end of July, right? For, or are they fighting on... Fight Week? International for, oh, fight International Fight Week. Yeah, they're no, on that card. That's actually crazy that he turned that around. Yeah, 
I thought about it when he, I saw that he was on the car. I was like, maybe I'm being a little soft. Maybe I should get back into the gym and, and go work out. And I'm like, nah. <laughs> nah, that guy's crazy. Let him go do some crazy shit. But I, I get it. Maybe because he's here already, he's probably like, let me just bang this out and, and try to make some money. So it, it makes sense for him. For me, nah, not so much. Um, but a great fight either way. I'm excited for this featherweight division. I think it's finally getting some steam, and um, there's some real mystique coming back to it since they had that debacle with Holloway and Volkanovski for so long. Now we're finally getting some movement, but now Max is back in the picture again. So if Max wins, it's like, what do you do? You can't have a four fight right right now. That would just be insanity, I think. Uh, and I know Volkanovski would be tight if he were to lose a close decision, like a split decision, right? Then it's just like... Dan, what do you do? If I'm Dana, like, what do you do? Shit out of luck. It almost fucks everything up if 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 uh, Alex went loses that fight. Kind of, sorta. Because now he's you just got like the number two pound for pound guy, just running around like fighting contenders for a while. Yeah, because they can't do that fight again. Well, they probably might have to put him on ice for a while if he were to lose that fight. It it just makes like things a interesting. Like that. Yeah, Jeez. because he's just sitting there. Like, who else yeah. is he gonna fight? Maybe they even do that in Emmett. And then give Holloway a little bit of a that break. That should be a fun fight to watch. Yeah. Two powerhouses, one five six, one five five. <laughs> well, I think they're both five six to be fair. But yeah, they're, that would be a fun fight. I would I would I would enjoy that to see two of the shortest guys at Featherweight fighting for a title. Which is fascinating because you see like Cater five eleven. You see Zabit six one, who just retired. Uh Yaya Rodriguez, who I think is five nine or five ten. These guys are getting big. Ortega, 5'9", 5'10". And you see these two young, shorter guys. Well, Emmett's not young. He's 37. Um, for fight years, he's not young. Uh, but these two guys running amok at featherweight. It's kind of crazy. I feel like the Max and uh, Volk fight is like Emmett versus Cater, but like in full form. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a good comparison. Um Next fight, we have Kevin Holland versus Tim Means. This was a fun fight for as long as it lasted. Kevin Holland slapped on that dodge choke so freaking fast. 80-inch reach. He was a problem at middleweight. This guy at, at 170 at welterweight right now is, I don't even know what to call it. It's just insanity. Two finishes in a row, and um, I think he said they were both in the second round. Yes, both in the second round, so he wants to move that up to the first round so he could drink his whiskey a little earlier. Um, but, yeah. I thought he looked great. There were some moments where I feel like he kind of crowds himself up because his arms are so long. He'll throw a combination and he'll step in and I think he'll get jammed up being in a little too close where his range now or the length of his arms now becomes more of a hindrance instead of a asset. When he's on the outside, he can pick you apart. He's just more of a sniper. I think he has a little bit more control over where he wants his strikes to go. But when the guys start to crowd him or he overcrowds, sometimes he'll take a big step to get close to close the gap because he can sit so far out on the outside that he oversteps and then guys start throwing these punches that kind of start rolling off of his shoulders. But I just think he's playing with a little bit of fire right there in those situations um, where he can get clipped. But it's a fist fight. You're going to get hit. But I just think he could leave a little bit more room in that gap if he just takes a little bit short of a step and then kind of jab his way in to, to really maximize the range and touch guys up. And then he's out of there. You know, um, I feel like now you're starting to see him get a little bit overcrowded in these situations. And he does look a little bit smaller now at 170 compared to how he did at 85, even though 85, he was clearly on the size. 
because he didn't really cut weight. I don't think he cut weight at all. So now he's cutting weight for 170. But now he, you can see his frame. It actually looks like he got a little bit skinnier. And that's what happens. Like, even for myself, when I see myself at 135, I'm like, dude, that guy just looks like a twig version of myself. And that's really what it is. You dehydrate your body and lose so much so much body fat and everything else to, to get down to that type of weight. Um, and then when you blow back up, it's just night and day. Like, that's why I always wonder about the weight cutting because I, I see performances change depending on the individual. Some guys are just better at managing the weight cut. Like, even for myself, <clears throat> I feel I feel my performances when I'm in training camp, when I'm walking around 60, 155, condition-wise, I feel way better than I do when I actually get down to weight at 135 and then rehydrate back to fighting where I'm like around 150 to 154. I feel like my gas tank almost has like a like puncture mark in it. From someone coming by and just shanking me up quickly, like hey, 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 hey. get in there, you know. So I feel like, <laughs> I feel like that's what my lungs feel like. Um, like I feel good physically, but I feel like my conditioning takes a little bit of a hit. Like say it's like a battery, like you overcharge your, your cell phone too many times, the max capacity that you're able to hold now reduces from 100% to like now your new 100% is 80%, and that's your new 100%. That's what it feels like when I cut down to 135. It feels like my max lung capacity that I had when I was in training camp um, two to three weeks out in comparison to fight day, I feel like it def- definitely takes a hit and I don't manage the, con- the, the I don't maintain the, the workload that I could have or that I have done in the past in the gym, which makes no sense to me. So I feel like it's either the weight cut or there's got to be some other science behind it that's kind of causing that to happen. Um, but other than that, Kevin Holland looked great. Dirty Bird fought, fought well, landed some good shots of his own, trying to land some elbows in there. Um, then Holland started throwing those elbows when he, when they started getting too close. Um, beautiful fight for Holland. I'm excited to see where, where he goes from here. Um, him and Buckley had great performances. I know they've been ch- chirping at each other still, even though they're different weight classes now. But I do think it would be better served for Holland to pick one weight class because it's not like he's going from 45 to 55. He's going from 170 to 185. And that 15-pound weight allowance, or should I say gap, is very, very different when he's a much smaller guy now, now making the 170-pound weight class. So him to fight at 85 now, he's going to have to make up for some lost ground there in, in, the, in, the, in the size department, in the strength department. He's always going to have that freakishly long arms where he can touch guys up from the outside because he has success at that at that weight class. I mean, knocking out Jacare and guys like that, that's not an easy thing to do. And um, I just think when he fights the younger guys, it's going to be a little bit tougher for him to get away with that going up and down. And I think at 170, he should just stay there, build himself up. He's 6'3", 81-inch reach, it says. Um, and just give himself the best opportunity to grow into his body and just and just get as strong as he can for that weight class because he's a big dude at 170. He got taken out a couple times, um, but he got right back up. So that makes me wonder about a guy like Chimaev when he gets to that type of positioning. He's going to be, I feel like, bigger than Chimaev. Uh, but the grappling is going to be the, the game changer. So I think a couple of things for him, and I think Kevin Holland's a potential title challenger. If he can string together a couple more wins and, of course, keep tightening up his wrestling. That's what I really do think. I think you can see the improvements. He's hard to hold down, 
long, wiry, um, good good IQ for strikes. Likes to stand and bang. He's talking about fighting, I think, two or three more times this year. He's crazy. But more power to you. I wish I could cut weight that easily and compete more often, but it ain't that easy. Uh, next up, we'll talk about Joaquin Buckley versus Duraev. I think this fight is a learning lesson for a lot of people out there who are inspired or aspiring to be a professional mixed martial artist or a UFC hopeful. When you train, take it with a grain of salt. Just because what you do in the training room might make you feel superior, sometimes it's just the training. You go under those bright lights, that's when everything you do is for keeps. So to take what you do in the training room thinking because you won a couple rounds, you had a couple of good days against a, a partner or something, and then to want to go and call them out, I think, or not even, let me not even say call them out. Maybe you you accept the fight that's offered to you because of what you felt in the room with that person. And I can understand these guys might not be your best friend. That's a different argument. But to train with someone to say, well, I like this matchup because I've trained with them before, so I kind of know what I'm going to be, what I'm expecting to get into in that fight. I think that's where sometimes you can shoot yourself in your own foot and cause yourself to have some um, issues going forward. Now, with this fight, I bring that up because of this. I guess these guys both train down at Extreme Couture or maybe somewhere else, but I know in Vegas. I know Duraev. I met him before he got on the Ultimate Fighter. Um, well, the Dana White Contender Series. He got in via that. Great grappler. Seems like a really nice guy. Um, the only thing I got to say, I think... His attitude about, and I, you know, I'm trying to word this as speak freely, as PC as I possibly can. I think his attitude about how the fight or the training sessions went and why he accepted that fight and why he was so confident, I think, is a very big learning lesson for him and why you have to take that with a grain of salt. I train with Marab every day. I don't go thinking, hey, I've trained with Marab. I know I'm the better guy. Like, I know I can win. This is a favorable matchup for me. I don't think like that. Cody Stamen did that before. He trained with me. And, and, and I don't know if he actually rolled with Marab um, at Extreme Couture. But I know training partners of his did train with Marab. And they told him that it was a good matchup for Stamen. And I know Stamen just won on this card. You know, I'm not trying to shoot him in. While he's on his high horse, uh, he deserves to take his victory lap. Great finish. He needed that. Um, he just needed a win, you know. But I think the difference between Marab and I, we both know, is just training. Anything can happen in training. This is where we try to get better. We make mistakes. This is where the mistakes should happen so you could continue to grow. You want to challenge yourself. You want to do things that you might not necessarily do in the fight because this is going to help you learn and become a better mixed martial artist. And I think this is going to be a very valuable lesson for Duraev. And the same thing, like Stamen, um, I guess they tried to book the fight three times. For whatever reason, the fights never happened the, two, the first two times with Stamen and Marab. And then I guess someone reassured him in the room. I don't know. This is just what I heard, that it's a good matchup for him. So he should try to get the matchup. And he accepted the fight again um, because of said information. <clears throat> we saw how the fight went. 
Um, Cody was starting to have his moments at the end of the at the end of the fight in the third, and I think that makes him feel like he could have won the fight, which is what he said at the post press conference. Um, again, credit to him for winning on UFC Austin fight card, but I think the best way to grow and continue to learn is to kind of just accept the losses and take it for what it is. You, like use those as learning lessons. And I'm not saying he's not doing that, but I I think to kind of look backwards. And and relish on things like that kind of, I think it kind of blocks your blessings a little bit. And I'm just trying to use this, say this in the most PC way that I possibly can, you know. So you don't want to be the guy who's hindering himself and being the reason the reason why you can't continue to get better. Um, because after that fight, if I was Stamen, I would have been happy to train with Marab. You know, that's just the way I think. I've trained with guys that I fought, and I think it's only a good learning lesson and. I think he can only make you better. Bottom line. So I think for Duraev, I think maybe next time, uh, I, I I think he's going to learn a ton from this and I don't think he's ever going to be making that mistake again. I think he's going to have to analyze the fight based on the actual fights that the guy has had. Don't have the fights based on training sessions. Bro, I'm not trying to knock you out in the training session. I'm not trying to choke you unconscious till the ref comes in and jump in. That's not, that's not what we're doing. We're training. Separate the two you got to keep that in your head and be realistic and keep things in perspective for what it is. Otherwise, you get ahead of yourself and you start counting your blessings and start looking at other uh, matchups that now won't happen because you shot yourself in the foot. You know, so again, congrats to Buckley defending a couple of really hard shots, landing a beautiful head kick early on. Duryev landed on um, Duryev. Duryev. I, I'm butchering his name again, I feel like. I, don't, I think Duryev's right. Duryev. I think. I think that's what Steve said. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Derive actually caught him back with a head kick that rocked Buckley. And then I thought he was going to be able to get Buckley down and then transition from there. But that didn't happen. He's weathered the early st- the, the storm again. And then in that third round, I think he got taken down twice, but got back up. And then, well, actually, it was the second round. Yeah. Well, there was a doctor stoppage. Doctor stoppage. Doctor yeah. Stoppage. Going into the third round. So he stopped the two takedowns in the second. And he showed he showed growth, you know, for him to not to get taken down. I'm pretty sure he got taken down in the room. Um, Derive is a very high level grappler, and again, that's probably where he got the confidence from. That if I get him down, this is going to be cakewalk. That's maybe what he thought. Um, but again, you good luck getting people. Like I train with Giannis, I know good luck for me trying to get a guy like that down in a high level in a high stakes fight, under pressure, under the bright lights, small four four ounce gloves. Maybe those shots that I can eat with the puffy gloves, I can. I don't eat with the four ounce gloves as I'm shooting in. And maybe he connects one time that he doesn't connect in the in the gym, but he actually does connect in the fight. And then that's the fight. So it's like you can't do that. You can't do that. You don't know what's what until you get in there. And you actually scrap, and that's that point blank period. Mic drop. You should actually drop the mic. <laughs> Uh, when, I don't want to talk about all these fights, but there were so many good ones. Just a couple of notables. Demir is Magulov. Great fight with him and Garam. I thought the judges kind of got that one a little bit wrong. And I do think he was kind of gamed in the end of that third round. Uh, he got he threw a knee while Demir was down, but it hit him in the chest. And then Demir kind of played it up and took the time while he was resting in a position that he shot a bad shot, had his back taken. He was now on bottom. And I think Garam finishing on top, landing some big strikes, could have been the difference, possibly getting a submission choke at the end of the round. We do not know. Even threatening the choke 
could have made the, the judges see hit the round three for him. But because Herb Dean thought that he saw a knee, illegally hit him in the head, hit him in the chest. He gave him time to stop, and he took away the position from from uh, Garam, and that was that was like mind blown, because it, it's unfortunate these decisions get made in a split second. So I don't know what's the right thing to do in that. Maybe stop the clock, see if he's okay, and while he's seeing while you're seeing if he's okay, make sure to confirm that that was an illegal knee, or you point to somebody as you you check on the fighter, you point to someone, hey, confirmation check, let's check on this and make sure that that, that was the right call. We're human. We make mistakes. And I think in that one, Herb Dean had some great stoppages, but I think he made a mistake in that one and um, gave Demir an opportunity to get back to the feet. And I think that ended up giving him the nod on that third round for the judges. It was a legal knee. That should have counted and scored. And then him being on top with about 24, 25 seconds could have been a game changer right there in that round. So I, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough fight to score. Split decision. Great fight either way. And um, I know Garan will be back. He looked phenomenal with his striking, and he's a ground guy. Him and Roman Deladze came out looking like like just hellacious strikers, just vicious. Never seen anything like it from those guys, but they look very, very damn good. Do you think, like, Georgia is, like, the next Dagestan? Because there's getting so many, like, super talented just warriors. I think so. Region. I mean, you look at Georgia – how small that country is and how well they do on the international level with wrestling is actually phenomenal. They, they, those guys, they kill it. Like per, like, what do you call it? I don't even know how, like, I would say normally per square foot, but that's talking houses. So per individual population, I guess, per population, the Georgian population over there, per capita. I I don't even know. Is that the right term? I I don't know. So I'm not even going to say that. (laughs) <laughs> per the amount of people, the population over there, they have a like a great amount of people that come out of their country that stand on top of the podium or on the podium in general for matches like uh, for wrestling. So combat sports, yeah. Really. So just yeah. combat sports, they just they're doing the damn thing from judo, sambo, and international wrestling, high level shit. Hell yeah! What uh, about what's his name, Giannis? Uh, Giannis looked great, um, but Gregory Rodriguez, he he looked great beating Julian Marquez. I'm glad that fight got stopped in that first round because that was only going to get uglier. Um, the Robocop for a reason. He looked phenomenal. I don't see how old he is. He's 30 years old, but he looks like he's 40. I would not be surprised if he's actually 40. He's Brazilian. <laughs> I hate the Brazilians lie about the age. What do, you, what do you guys want from me? What do you want from me? I don't know if this is true. I can neither confirm or deny these allegations. Adrian Giannis, Tony Kelly, fun fight for as long as it lasted. Finishes him in three minutes and 49 seconds of the first round. Beautiful. Well, Now, I was talking to Ray about this, and I said, it was myself, Stephen Ray, and I go, my gift is I could come off the couch and I could grapple with the best guys in the world and still just have that IQ and vision and feel. Adriana's gift is when it comes to hands and boxing, he has that vision. He has that gift. He can come off of the couch and light anybody up like it was the 4th of freaking July. That's just what he does. His hands are phenomenal. His eyes, he, they're well-trained. He sees the timing. He f- does that little flick jab where he's gathering dad, uh, data. And then once he gets the reads, he's now throwing the hooks. And they look like they're coming across, like down the middle. But he'll throw them, boom, 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 boom. 
and boom, whack it with a short hook and come back again, jab, one, two, dig the body. And I, I think his left punch, his left hand is one of his best tools that he has. He goes left to the body, um, left hook up top, uh, nasty jab, and good range finding. And again, his vision, I think that's the most dangerous thing, him being able to see and feel when those strikes are coming and knowing when to slip, knowing how to split, knowing how to step back and counter. Uh, you, you can't it, well, you can try to teach that, but for me, training with him and then watching him in his fights, not just this one, and all the other ones, you can see that he just has a natural gift for that. He he just does it better. Like you can see guys who hit pads for years. You can see guys that grapple for years and they just won't reach a certain threshold or some things they just can't seem to get. There's nothing with striking that you could throw at Giannis that he wouldn't be able to get or be able to implement in terms of his training repertoire. Like his skill set, you show him something he can be able to implement it in the fight or in real time in training. And I think that's what makes him a very dangerous young athlete right now in the UFC. You know, uh, Brandon Father, we spoke about this last time, um, just bought a house, 28 years old, from uh, Houston, Texas, H-Town. Uh, now five wins in a row, I think. Wait, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine wins in a row. Five and on the UFC. One, two, three, four, five. Five wins in the UFC. And four of them by knockout. The one that was a split decision was against Davey Grant, which was a wild fight, man. Wild, wild fight. You know, so it just shows how deep this bandweight division is. And, you know, I couldn't be happier to see a guy like that. He's such a good dude to have success. Uh, it's always nice to see good people win. And I'm not saying Kelly's a bad guy. I'm pretty sure he was misunderstood with some of the stuff that he said. And sometimes you need to just say things in a more tasteful way for people to, to receive it. And I think that's just all that was. But again, either way, um, guys went in there, two high-level guys. One comes out, and Giannis showed that there are levels to striking. And boy, did he look good. Tony Kelly is a big dude. Miss weight also. Um, now eight and three. He's thirty-five years old. Five nine for bantamweight. His reach is seventy inches. He lost to Kai Kamaka the third at forty-five, and Kevin Aguilar split decision at forty-five as well. So most of his other fights, pretty much been at forty-five. So seeing him come down to thirty-five now puts, you know, it just it just shows that there's levels, man, and it shows how deep this division really, really is. So, again, congrats to Adrian Giannis. Huge win. Nasty knockout. And uh, I love the antics after. I'm all about the antics, man. I love the antics. Do, do that more. I love that side of you. That side is just always going to be fun. I love, the, I love when people play somewhat of a villain role because um, then someone has to stop the evil guy, you know. But then it's just always fun because the bad guy seems to always keep winning until the very, 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 very end. But for the most part, the bad guys usually keep winning, you know. And I'm not saying Adrian's a bad guy, but I'm just saying, just I like when he's playing it up and uh, having a good time, just enjoying life. I think it's uh, he gets to show a different side of him, outside of um, him being super polite and not wanting to cuss. Sorry for cussing. Sorry for cussing. Uh, some other great fights: Natalia, Sylvia. She looked really good. Phenomenal striker. She put on the clinic. Jeremiah Wells, nasty knockout. Ricardo Ramos, spinning back elbow again, guys. If you're going to fight Ricardo Ramos, just know that the guy has knockouts with spinning elbows. And most of his fights, he spins. So if you're going to fight him, 
at least train for the spin because know that there is a some type of spinning shit coming towards your face and it's not going to feel good if it connects on your chin. Does not. Yeah, he's got, I don't know if he's got another one, spinning back elbow, spinning back elbow over. Yeah, man, guy's nasty, bro. Um, Now at 45 too. Uh, Maria Oliveira split decision win. That was a really fun fight with her and DePaula. Cody Stayman, big win over Eddie Weiland. The punch looked like it barely hit Eddie, and he kind of went down. I think that goes to show Father Time is undefeated. So do not stay around the game longer than you need to because this is just what's going to happen. The smallest punch is going to have your eyes rolling back in the back of your head. Eddie Weiland, true pioneer of the sport. I think the first ever Bantamweight champion in WEC which the WC fighters are the current fighters roster in the UFC because they all got merged when uh, the UFC took them over. <clears throat> With that being said, Eddie Weiland paved the groundway for us and paved the groundway for everybody else. You know, so all you bantamweights, just know who Eddie Weiland is. He's a freaking true pioneer and a true legend of the sport. Uh, 37 years old, nothing to hang his head about. He's put out so many guys' lights. Um, you go down... Topology and look at his record and see all the guys he's fought making his debut back in 2003. Just goes to show you who this guy is and how long he's been around. Um, really cool dude. I met him a couple couple times couple, on a few different occasions. Really good guy. And uh, unfortunate that he had to go out like that. But uh, I hope that he can live peacefully. And um, I think he did retire. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope he can sleep at night peacefully like yo man it's a young man's sport like there's nothing to hang your head about the skills are still there but if you can't take the shot you're not going to be able to jump in the fire um with with the, everybody else and i think that's just really all of there, that there is to say that and cody's a big strong powerful dude he hits you he hits hard he's got some pop um like he says i do think if he does let his hands go a little bit more he would be a nightmare for a lot more other people um Again, congrats to him. Big win for him. Much needed. He was on a three-fight skid, losing to Jimmy Rivera, Marab really, and Saeed Nurmagomedov. So for him to get back in the win column, he got back in the win column in a very big way. And I think his last win was over Kelleher at UFC 250. That was back in 2020. Damn. June of 2020. So he hasn't, he hasn't had a win since two years. June. Yeah, wow. It's rough. And he had a majority um, draw versus Song Yudong, who's now fighting Corey Sanhagen. Going to be a good fight. Um, outside of that, oh yeah, and Roman Delaze, beautiful knockout. Um, again, Georgian Power showing that they're showing their strength and showing that they're more than just grapplers. Uh, even against the cage, he used that to set up a beautiful knee, finish it up on the ground with strikes, and put Kyle Dawkins out. I thought that fight would have been a lot closer than that, in my personal opinion, because Dawkins is a dog, and he's also a CFFC vet, former champion, like myself. You know, so I just thought that fight would have been a lot closer, and I thought the fight would have gone a lot longer. But um, Roman went out there and put on a show. Now two in a row for him, showing his Georgian power in his new weight class. Um, outside of that, guys, if you have any questions, if you enjoyed the show at UFC Austin, drop the comment below. Um, it's going to be a gooder event this week, so make sure you guys tune in to see the next gooder event. I'll see you guys as always. Uh, wait, do we have some questions you want to do? Yeah, yeah. What do you think about the Drake album? Oh, all right. Before we go, <laughs> we're going to talk some Drake. Make sure you time it. I know. I uh, so here's my take on Drake. 
the album, the new album. Drake's the man. Champagne Poppy. I'm all for Drake. He's a cool ass dude, at least from what I can see in social media. Has a great time. Puts his people on, you know, for the six. Um, Toronto boy. He, he respects the Jamaican rude boy them. So much love to Drake. But for me, this this album, honestly, never mind. Because honestly, never mind. You know, I just want to <laughs> warn you, if he ever hears this, he's never going to forgive you. That's fine. He's like that. That's fine. He's a Scorpio, as they, as they say. That's fine. I'm not criticizing the album in a negative way. I think it was just too much pop for me. I think it was more house music stuff. I felt like there's a lot of love songs, which is typical, classic Drake. But I was hoping that he would have put like two or three bangers on there for like the boys, man. For the boys. Like, I understand, like, the house music, you want to have some stuff that you can play in the club that they can, you know, vibe to, uh, mashup music and stuff that people can, um, what do you call it, like, the techno stuff when they mash it up, I forget, like, there's a special name for that, mix and match, I don't know, when they mix it down with something else, and, yeah, like, yeah. like, whatever, like, the lyrics and stuff, they do all that stuff, that, like, that's cool, I get that, but I'm here for, like, the headlines, you know, I'm here for, like, like headlines, a song, I'm here for bars, I'm here for mob ties, I'm here for elevate, Elevate. I'm here for the the vibes that's gonna have me in the weight room throwing weights up in the air, catching them, doing a 360 and putting them down. You know, that's that's what I'm here for. You know, the currents, sticky was fire. Um, what's the other one I said? Like um, Jimmy Crow was okay. Yeah, that one was good. It was a good album. Um I think you I've been Keeper. hearing you listen to Liability a bunch, the slow one. I think I might have just been hitting replay because I've been doing all those things okay. around the house and just trying to figure out like Okay, I didn't really listen, so let me just play it again, see if I could actually listen to this song. Massive was the other good one. Massive? Yeah, I think. Probably. It's the one that actually sounds like listenable, which I hate to say it that you way. Know, but like, see, I didn't say these there's words, actually, there's like, There's like a bounce to it. It's not just like... Yeah. No, it was a good album. Like, don't get me wrong. I just, like one of my, my boys from the hood as well, my boys from home, they said it's just a little too poppy for me. And again, you can listen to it, I think this is more for people that like to go to techno and house music parties, that type of vibe. Like you could play it at the beach and you could mash it up and keep, you know, it's just it's just good vibes. But it's just chill. I don't think this is an album that I would listen to in the sense of like I'm going to the gym or um, putting on some gangster music and and handling my business. Like that ain't this album for me. This is more like just chill vibes. Maybe at the beach. Jake thinks this this is like club vibes. I think, no, I think he made it to be remixed for the club. Yeah, I, and I agree with that. Most of it. Yeah, because... It's, like it's like he left like a blank canvas on a lot of these songs. Yeah. And that's why I was just kind of like, yo, it's good. I think it's better than the Kendrick and the Pusha T, if I'm being honest. Like, oh. in terms of like stuff I can listen to constantly. Like, Pusha T's always talking about like coke and shit like that. Like, I, I don't really, I don't know. I mean, I get it, but like he's not making like hits. He's making songs that you listen to like one or two times. And like, all right, that was cool. There was some bars, but it ain't like yeah. I'm gonna go work out to this Pusha T song. The the one no the, no the one the the, the one, one that we liked play. yeah yeah um damn I can't remember the name yeah <laughs> that's foul fucking I'm sorry <laughs> I gotta find this that's what I was trying to do oh I feel like I feel like Drake. I was expecting, like, I thought this was going to be the album that he was, like, keeping tucked yeah. to make up for Certified Lover Boy because of all the hate that album got. 
and then he dropped it. It's like nobody was expecting that. Certified Lover Boy had more hits to me. It definitely did. Yeah. I mean, you got the future track, you got Fair Trade, the first one, Champagne Poetry, Slaps. And oh yeah, the song's called Let the Smokers Shine, the Coops. That's the one I like that I bang with heavy. That one's fucking heat, dude. That um Rich Spirits is fire on Kendrick's album. Yeah. Um but yeah, other than that, man. Those that's that's all I really got to say in terms of criticism for Drake, which is I'm not really it's yo know, Drake doesn't miss. I want to see what the charts have have him at though, like individually, like he, each song. He broke. He's like in the top five biggest streaming days on Spotify this year. Top four. Oh, he's like sixty million streams first day. Well, I th- I wonder if that's really because the album is that good, or is it because he's just Drake? Well, bro, he he didn't promote it. He dropped it the same day he announced it. Yeah, and he's on pace to sell like 230k first week. That's pretty good. I I just look at that like, if anyone had a following or a platform where they just make a post, well, he's got like 30 million followers or something he's like, like that. 125 million. Well, you see, they're I'm way off. No, but yo, it's like, it's like it's just the whole industry like moves for Drake. It's yeah, like, it's like every every outlet. It's like. You know, you when you say something crazy, not crazy but controversial, like all the MMA outlets pick it up. Yeah, that's how it is for Drake. Like anytime yeah. he does anything, and I get that, but it's just like, are they doing it because it's actually fire? You know, no, what I mean? it's it's kind of weird. I because so many that's people where I hate think, this album. That's 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 kind of the way I look at it. Like, is it because he's actually that album or track was actually, as my brother Kevin would say, fire? I don't know. I thought it was. I actually really like it. No, I know, I know you do. I like it. I fuck with it. <laughs> I like but it too. I, I it's get cool. that other people don't like it. Yeah. But it's like, I feel like it'll grow on people. Every every Drake album, people expect so much, and then they're so disappointed, and then over time, it just lives for a while. Yeah. Like yeah. Scorpion, trash when it came out. But like now we like look back at Scorpion, and people are like, that album slapped so hard. Scorpion was fu- yeah I I yeah I don't know like music you appreciate is music. it more over time yeah that's a fact yeah uh, like like I said man I think the album was good I don't know if it's something I'm gonna be bumping all the time but I do have to give it one more time of a listen through like all the way through from beginning to end and uh, like really see like Sticky I know is my tr- my track already and um, I'm gonna be bumping that over and over you know how sticky um, it gets yeah you know how sticky it gets that that song it, it it uh it slaps. I think that's really it. It's a sl- Some of the album is a pause. Some of it. <laughs> uh, if you guys like the album, let me know in the comments below. Uh, I got my gear, AljamainSterling.com, Funk Jitsu. Go cop one. Don't cop stuff from these fake third-party websites. Straight I would rather you cop from the UFC. Like, Get it straight from the source, AljamainSterling.com. The link is in my description right below. Hit, hit me up. Um, Again, drop some comments. I'll see you guys soon. Thanks for always tuning in. And remember, if you like my shit, subscribe to my shit. We're spinning back fish, baby. Boom, boom, boom. Hook them off. Hook them off this way. Hit him with the jab. Hit him with the cross. Sit his ass down back with the hook. Boom. He's down for the count. 10, 9, 8. I'll see you guys later. Peace.